Our scripture reading for this morning is found in the book of 2 Corinthians, reading from chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will, will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen. Thank you, Russ. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, next Sunday afternoon is one of our biggest opportunities, Russ alluded to it, uh, the biggest opportunity of the year to welcome our neighborhood, and that's our trunk or treat. We have learned over the years that families will come to this. We, we do some things to promote it in the, in the area, and then we invite our love and learn daycare families as well, and what we find is that people will show up to this. So I'm asking you, faith family, to uh, do your thing, uh, buy some candy, decorate a trunk, and show some hos Halloween hospitality. You know, right now, I checked, but this morning, we had eight or nine trunks signed up, which is probably about normal for a week in advance, uh, but we're aiming for 20 to 30. That really makes a great event. Uh, and if you don't want to do it alone, find a friend who's gullible enough to join you, Okay. Uh, or you can get your whole small group to join you. Maybe they're all that way. I don't know. Spread the love. Uh, if you want to sign up, go to tinyurl.com slash vfwtrunkhost. By the way, that link will also be in the Faith Connect email tomorrow. And uh, I believe that, like every year, people are going to walk away from Trunk or Treat just really amazed and some of them will be saying, you know, every time I come to this church, they treat me like family. I think that would be very cool, don't you? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we ask that you will bring people to our Trunk or Treat event next Sunday. Even people who would never walk into a church. And maybe by our simple generosity, Lord, we can be a sign of how generous you are. And today, Heavenly Father, we are here to honor you for your generosity to us. Jesus, you, you have paid the way for our new life by laying down your life. Thank you. Holy Spirit, awaken our hearts to your word today that we might be transformed and all God's people said, amen. Well, I've received a report in the mail uh, recently from the Social Security Administration, and it listed 
all my annual taxed earnings since 1973. I, 1973? I thought back, I go, yeah, I had a job. Uh, I worked as a dishwasher at the Happy Chef restaurant on I-80. Well, fast forward a little bit, 1981, I started my first real full-time job. After seven years of college and seminary, I was finally a pastor. And let me tell you, this job came with a sweet little perk, a salary. It was modest, but let me, it was a nice jump from summer and part-time jobs. Trish and I, we were thrilled. I mean, suddenly we had a little money. We could go and get a, a burger when we wanted to. We could go to see a movie. Uh, most of our furniture was grandma hand-me-downs, but we did buy uh, a table and chairs for our kitchen and then a bedroom set as well at the local furniture store. We started making payments on that J uh, just last year. No, maybe it was earlier this year. We let go of the table and chairs we'd had all this time. But the dresser and headboard from that bedroom set are still in our house in the guest bedroom. Now, maybe a lot of you don't know this. You wouldn't really have a reason to know it. But most pastors don't usually get withholdings taken from their paychecks. I have to withhold it myself to pay my taxes. And, of course, I knew that, and I started to set aside some money for that. Uh, that first year. However, when it came time in April when my tax return was done, I realized I had not set aside nearly enough money. So we had to start setting aside more money, plus we had to, you know, pay 12 months worth of payments and penalty for not getting it done right the first time, and so it was like a double whammy. That's when we started budgeting. If we were going to go get through this we were going to have to plan and track every dollar. I remember I wrote it all out on, in an, an accounting record book with, with rows and columns. It was like a spreadsheet but with an actual sheet of paper, you know. About the time we paid off our tax bill, we bought a car, a used Volkswagen diesel rabbit. 50 miles to the gallon, Jeff. Whew. And it was ours in just 48 payments. Not long after that, we had a baby, and which created a whole new set of expenses, and budgeting was even more crucial. Another reason budgeting was such a priority is that when we were first married, we, Trish and I, committed to the Lord that we would give away a tithe of our income, 10%. The only way we could sustain that was if we budgeted for it. Over the last 40 years, I cannot tell you how many times we have failed at budgeting. But we kept trying. And we kept learning, kept starting over. Budgeting meant not only planning for our monthly expenses, but also planning ahead for expenses we knew would come during the year sometime. Uh, we set aside money in a separate account cleverly named set-aside checking. And, and because we had set aside that money, then when income taxes were due, we could pay. When we had medical bills or needed new tires on the car, we could pay for it. Um, we still keep an account 
called set-aside checking for non-monthly expenses. And then about a month before Christmas, we would withdraw a certain amount of cash from set-aside checking. This was our Christmas allowance. And we would sit down, we would write out a list of all the things that we wanted to buy and do and pay for, and then it all had to fit into that amount. Because when it was gone, there wasn't any more. That was it. And we were thankful to have it. This is the fifth Sunday in our fall series on margin. So far, we've looked at emotional margin and physical margin and time margin, and today is about financial margin. So, you might ask, what do we mean by financial margin? Well, here's, here's a definition to try on. Margin is the money remaining after normal necessary expenses are paid. Right? Will you say it with me? Money is the margin remaining after normal necessary expenses are paid. And I hope you have some margin there. If you're not budgeting, I hope that you will start and see if you can budget yourself a little margin. Why? What, what would you do with it? What would you do with financial margin? Well, some of it might go into a savings account. Some of it might go into a retirement fund. Some of it might be used for extra giving. Some of it might go for entertainment. Uh, for example, Friday night, Trish and I took our kids to a bluegrass concert. It was uh, held at Iowa Western College, which I had I'd never been there before. But it was a nice little auditorium there. And, and we had the margin to do it. What did Jesus say? That's important to us, isn't it, here? What did Jesus say about margin? In his parables, Jesus talked about two kinds of fools when it comes to money. One ended up with no margin, and the other had too much margin. The first was a young adult son who had demanded his inheritance early. He left home, and he quickly blew that money. Whatever margin he had when he started out, he, he, he was, it was gone. He was broke. He did find a job, but it paid so poorly he didn't, he didn't even have enough to eat. And then one day, he wised up. He thought, maybe I could go home and work for my dad as a hired hand. So he humbled himself, he repented of his margin-wasting ways, and went home. That parable is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. In chapter 12, Jesus tells about another kind of fool. This guy had all kinds of financial margin. He, he had, and then on top of that, he had an extremely profitable year. Oh, he became even wealthier. But money mattered to him more than anything, more than family, more than God. One day, he said, you know, I think I'm going to retire early and enjoy the fruits of my fortunes. Ironically, it was that very night that he died. Now, Jesus in his parable doesn't tell us how the man died. We, today, we may say, I wonder if he had a heart attack. We don't know. Jesus ends the parable by saying that this man was a fool because despite his mountains of margin, he was not rich toward God. 
And in Jesus' kingdom, not being rich toward God means keeping all of your material blessings for yourself. Being generous and helping others is how you become rich in God's eyes. And that's what happened in another parable in Luke chapter 10. A Samaritan stopped to help a Jewish traveler who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead. And after getting him all kind of bandaged up, the man from Samaria took the injured fellow to an inn and, and paid the innkeeper to care for him until he returned. So the Samaritan showed kindness to a stranger. He used his margin in a way that made him rich in God's eyes. If you are living paycheck to paycheck with no, no wiggle room at all, I understand. I've been there. But it's so much better if you could have even some margin. So how do you do that? How do you get some margin if you don't have any? Sometimes people will share with me, uh, you know, their monthly income and expenses if they're having financial trouble. And, and by then, they, you've usually been hit with some big expense that just kind of sends it all into a tailspin, you know, a car repair or surgery or a failing refrigerator. And as we start to go through it, usually we find little bits of hope. Well, some expenses can be trimmed. Maybe this payment can be reduced. Maybe there's a few things we can live without for now. You know, in the end, there are only two ways to create margin. Decrease your expenses or increase your income. But even then, I think most people would say it's not easy climbing out of a hole. I've been there. A lot of you have been there. I also know that we can learn some things in the process. God can teach us the difference between our needs and our desires. And sometimes we get those confused, don't we? God can teach us about living within our means and the dangers of consumer debt. I hope, I hope you all get at least a little bump in your income next year. I don't know if you will, but I hope you do. Of course, some of it was going to go to higher prices, right, for gas and groceries. But maybe some of it could add a little margin for you. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 6 and uh, open it up to page 1162. It starts at the very bottom of that page and then goes on to the next page. And as I said, God doesn't want us to keep all our margin for ourselves. I mean, that's what the rich fool did. Margin is also an opportunity to be generous. The Apostle Paul, he asks the sisters and brothers in Corinth to start uh, collecting mission, giving mission offerings every week to collect money for the famine in Jerusalem. And, and so here he teaches them about generosity. Verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also uh, reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Well, I don't know. I grew up on a farm, right? This is Farming 101. If, you, if you're skimpy at planting time, don't expect much at harvest time. 
But if you're generous in the spring, you will be rewarded in the fall. So, that's his metaphor. What are the rewards of being generous with your financial margin? That's what this is about um, in this paragraph. So, one reward is added joy. Uh, The end of verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And I think what he means by that is that God loves it when we give cheerfully. Because that's how God gives. God doesn't give reluctantly or out of compulsion. God gives gladly. Generosity generates joy. That sounds good, doesn't it? Generosity generates joy. Here's another reward. is growing trust. By being generous, we are learning to depend on God. We are learning to trust God to take care of our needs. Verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, dot, dot, dot. So you see the promise there? We learn to trust in that promise that God will provide. A third reward is getting to be God's hands and feet in the world. When we are generous with our financial margin, we soon find God working through us in all kinds of ways, even beyond financial. Verse 8 ends by saying, you will abound in every good work. God has all kind of good stuff planned for you to do, to bless others. A fourth reward is eternal influence. Your generosity will be remembered forever. You know, I don't know if I've really thought about that much. But your generosity will be remembered forever. And your influence on someone's life may impact them eternally. And here's where Paul quotes one of the Psalms in verse 9. It says, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. A fifth reward is increased opportunities. When you let God work his generosity through you, you can expect that God will give you more opportunities to do that. Verse 10, now, that, now he who supplies to the sower and uh, seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, that is, your opportunities to bless others, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's the increased impact God will make through you. So God's going to give you more opportunities when he knows he can trust you. One final reward is thanksgiving to God. We have our annual Thanksgiving bag uh, giveaway coming up here in a few weeks. And... uh, uh, I know a lot of you are planning to you usually bring a bag every, every year and it has all the items in it. So for about four people to have a Thanksgiving meal, all the groceries for that, plus a gift card for the meat. And uh, so we plan on collecting and, and putting together 300 or more of these. And I believe that many families will give thanks to God on Thanksgiving Day for that meal. And that's the picture I hold in my mind when I read verse 11. 
you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People are going to be saying, oh, thank you, Lord. And maybe that's the sweetest reward of all. You know, I think of all these rewards. <laughs> and maybe that's why I have no room in my life for casinos or sports betting or online poker or lottery tickets because generosity pays off so much better. One of the rewarding things that Trish and I started doing some years back was that we opened a special savings account for extra giving, and we gave it the clever name, Set Aside Savings, okay? So we set aside a little money into it each month by automatic transfer, and that way, when we see a need or something inspires us, oh, I want to give to that. Well, first thing we do is look to what's, what's the balance in that account? Because the way we see it, the, the money in that, in that account is no longer ours to spend. It's already been given. It's just waiting to be distributed. And we love having the freedom to respond immediately. And, you know, within a certain amount, you know, Trish and I, we don't even check with each other. If one of, them, one of us wants to just do it, just do it. And if it gets to a certain amount, we might check in with each other. But, you know, we have freedom. One thing I love about this church is how generous you are. You give your time margin and physical margin every time you serve. You give from your emotional margin every time you care. And you give from your financial margin in all kinds of ways. You know, I was thinking if you sign up to do a trunk next Sunday, that would be giving from all four of those kinds of margin, right? Emo emotional, uh, physical, time, and financial margin. And Paul says about being generous on every occasion, and that's what I see in you. Generous on every occasion. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. You know, one thing about this church, this church is debt-free. Thanks be to God for that. Last spring, the trustees decided to put on a, a new 50-year uh, metal shingles on, on this building. And, and the finance committee uh, said, you know, it'll be tight, but I think we can pay for it without a capital campaign. And we were able to. And when it was clear that our, our summer, in the summer our ministry fund would, would sort of you know, not be keeping up toward the end of the year, uh, someone here quickly offered $40,000 as a matching challenge, and you matched it nearly three times. And that tells me that you believe in what God is doing here. And again, I want to say thank you. In his chapter on financial margin, medical doctor Richard Swenson says, God is honored by funnels and dishonored by sponges. Maybe you think, well, what is he talking about there? God is honored by funnels and dishonored by sponges. And you have been funnels for God's blessing. Instead of soaking it up all yourself like a sponge, you have let it pass through you 
and pour out where needed like a funnel. I also know that some of you are facing some rough times financially. Uh, Maybe your business failed, and I would say there's no shame in that. It's happened to some of the brightest, hardworking people I've known. Or you're going through a health crisis. Maybe medical bills are going through the roof. Maybe you're not able to work right now, and maybe your insurance wasn't as good as you thought it would be. Or or you've decided that your child just wasn't doing well in daycare and needed to be at home, and and that meant giving up your job, and so you could devote yourself more fully to parenting, and it's helping, it's working, but how are you going to make ends meet? Or maybe you've simply made some poor choices. We've all done that, haven't we? Maybe your credit cards are maxed out and the interest is just spiraling. Everything seems hopeless. I want you to know that we have a helping hands fund for our church family. We use it to help uh, when somebody's going through a time of crisis. It's not meant to fix everything, and it's never used as an ongoing source of income, but it can help. And everything is kept confidential. If you have a need, talk with Vicki O'Hara or me. And if you need financial guidance or uh, budget coaching, sometimes we've been able to uh, help line up someone to, to help out with that. Now, today, when you walked in the worship center, hopefully you got an index card. You get one? You want to pull that out now? Uh, this month, we've been talking about restoring four kinds of margins. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Where do I need margin, margin that I don't currently have? Is it in the emotional part of my life, physical, time, or financial? And as I said before, my goal is that God would lead each of us to take one step to find margin in just one of these areas. That's where we begin. Don't don't try to begin by fixing everything. Start by taking one step in one area. Now, we're going to pray about that. Uh, Of course, some of you say, Steve, I already know. (laughs) Because one of these, I am am running on empty right now in one of these. Or, or, Or maybe you have a sense that by building up one of them, then it's going to have a positive impact on the other three. So what we're going to do now is take a a full minute of quiet prayer while Brother Shane uh, plays on the keyboard. And I would invite you to ask God, where do I need margin? And what is my first step? And as you pray, jot down anything that comes to mind to you. All right, let's pray.
Dear God, many of us find ourselves emotionally exhausted or physically tired or rushing all day long or under financial pressure. And we believe that this is not the way you meant for us to live. Jesus, teach us to walk with you on the path of life. Show us how to live more simply and to be content. Point us, Lord, to our first step. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can hang on to your card. Maybe you'll want to come back to it later today at home. Let's stand.